Your uh, your microphone's pretty hot, dude. Thanks, man. <laughs> Three Dogs North is an attempt to objectify the subjective with little violence as possible. The following has been torn from its origins in space and time and put entirely at your disposal. Well, it's good to talk to you guys. It's been a little bit. It has been a little bit. What's going on? I uh, I all but finished the Schmeyman book last night. I have like oh, 10, wow. 10 pages left in the last appendix, which is cool, which if reading towards the end was any indication, those 10 pages are filled with gold. It's an huh. awesome book, but Dang. I have a bunch I, I could, I have a bunch I've been reflecting on and thinking about there, but I don't want to get into a big 10 minute speech. I know Mike, you were in, uh, Indonesia or Micronesia or something. <laughs> I thought you were in Malaysia. It was actually Tanzania. Ooh, <laughs> oh. wrong Ania. No, I was in uh, off the coast of Venezuela and Saint Lucia. Oh, yeah, which is a Caribbean island, and we did. It was actually my first trip with Varsity Catholic. Oh, cool! And it was so fun. It was, it was awesome. So we went down and ran some sports camps and would teach the faith in between portions of the sports camp to some of the schools down there. Very cool. Um, that was a lot of fun. Great, great group, great missionaries, great students. Um, chaplain was amazing. Yeah, great priest. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just silly. Like I get to go down and uh, preach, play sports, and uh, hang out in this beautiful island with like Wonderful, wonderful students. Um, it honestly felt like, um, like a type of a vacation. It was, it was just a lot of fun. So, couldn't have asked for a better trip. Yeah, awesome, man. That's very cool. Hey, Rob, what have you been up to? Ugh, so much, so much, man, so much. Um, I don't know. Well, it was like. When when's the last time we talked? We've had like graduations here. That's been a week ago or so. Um, I don't know. The last week has been really nice, kind of getting into the summer schedule. So I've actually been doing stuff with like marriage prep that I've been needing to do for a while. Um, kind of like hammering some of that stuff out and uh, PSR stuff. I'm going to take over and help a lot more with the. Uh, PSR program here at the parish. So stuff that I just kind of like knew was coming, but put on the back burner um, like the last month of like campus being in session and um, just the grade school. And I mean, I, it, it wasn't anything like crazy. It was just, it's just a busy stretch when everything's like coming to an end like that, you know? Mm-hmm. So I've just been in a week of like getting stuff done mode, which has been pretty dang good so been pretty dang good we just got our deacon for the summer here uh oh, cool. yeah deacon michael trummer is with us at saint boniface so and then we had our huge like uh parish festival bonifest uh which was all last weekend awesome That's yeah clever yeah it was good man it was like full-scale carnival um in the church parking lots do you have rides 
Oh, yeah. All kinds of rides, man. Did you have the freak all out? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I didn't see anything called the freak out. That's a big, t- tall pendulum that yeah. spins. We did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, that was called the Alibaba. Mm. Uh-huh. Yes. <laughs> Up in Chicago, we, we're more woke than that. I, mean, <laughs> I see. I see. Uh, but no, yeah. The Ferris wheel. Uh, yeah, the big pendulum. Woo, it's good stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. Good stuff. Very Evangelization. Good. Living it. Did you get on those rides? I went on the Ferris wheel. That was it. Oh. Had a funnel cake. Uh, are you are you a roller coaster guy? You know, I haven't been. I was actually thinking I want to go to like Six Flags this summer. Maybe with like the little pre-support group. I meet with um, because I do love roller coasters, but I probably haven't been on a roller coaster in no joke, probably 10 years. Yeah. Yeah. Probably same for me. Should we have a 3DN reunion at a roller coaster park? (laughs) (laughs) Not a bad idea. Not the worst idea we've ever had. Yeah. Did you guys ever go to great America when you were at Mundelein? No. It was right there. Yeah. I always wanted to. And we talked about it a couple of times. Just never never made it happen. Mm-hmm. But so anyway, life's real good. Um Yeah, I mean I guess we can get an update from Biscatron. I had something just a couple reflections actually from like Bonfest, which was really fun, uh, that I've been thinking through. If you guys want to dive in there or if you have other stuff, they're nothing like we have to talk about today. Well, let's hit it, dude. Like, what's your reflection, man? What's the reflection, man? Um, so, well, it started. I've been thinking through this idea a little bit. I saw a post on. I was looking on somebody's Facebook the other day, and I, a post caught my eye. I I can't remember who it was from, but you know, kind of like a lovey dovey post, and it was some like anniversary or something. And the gal said to the guy, like, I love you and I like you. Okay. Mm. So that's what started it. I love you and I like you. Then, so I've been thinking through that of like, what does that really mean? Or what does it mean to like, like somebody? I get, or, you know, in the capacity, I think we've talked about that on the podcast before, like trying to understand and kind of know and feel that God likes you as well. Um, but anyway, long story short, where it, like, the reflection has, I was walking through Bonifest one night, and I mean, there's all kinds of people there, you know, and, and certainly not, like, all parishioners and everything, so I'm walking through, I got my collar on, um, and maybe had a funnel cake in my hand, even, uh, but this guy kind of, like, bumped into me, and... You know, he just said, like, sorry, man, and kept walking, which I didn't really think anything of. And like, you oh, responded, no. dude, it's cool. I love you and I like you. Yes, yes. That was the reflection. <laughs> no, so, like, two minutes later, this guy who was so drunk at this point um, comes back, and he was hilarious, man. Like, hilarious. Um, And so he's talking to me, and he is like, I'm just guessing the guy like grew up Catholic because he was like up and down apologizing. Um, because I'm assuming like one of his buddies told him like he just bumped into a, a priest 
Mm-hmm. And so he's like, Father, I'm so sorry. Like, I didn't mean to be disrespectful of calling you man, anything like this. And it, I was, I mean, it was, that was kind of the interact. It wasn't anything really past that. Like, oh, don't worry about it, man. Have fun. You know, we chatted for a minute. But he was very, very funny. Like, just the, any kind of like the other stuff he was saying in the conversation. So I was just thinking, I was like, how much the whole like love the sinner hate the sin thing. I'm not calling that guy in any state of like mortal sin or anything, but how much are we free to like like people and enjoy people like maybe in like states of sin or um, like doing something that we know probably isn't like good for the human person. Does that make sense? Mm. And so it's like, how much are we free to like, maybe enjoy it i i i don't know I'm, I'm just working working through it of like i mean I'm, I'm pretty much sold on the um well i am sold on the you gotta love the person you know which doesn't like condone sinful behavior just because it's bad for the person etc but maybe it's just a like maybe it's a practical evangelization question mm-hmm. etc but like like how free are we there just to like to like it, the sinner? Yeah, like the sinner. You know, it, does that make sense? And trying to distinguish that between like yeah, I get maybe it. you're you're recognizing something in in their actions that like you know isn't good for them. Um but you can't talk about it all the time. Like you can't beat a dead horse with it ne- necessarily. So anyway, that's my reflection. Hmm. Yeah, man. I have a, I have something, but I, just, I don't want to get I don't want to get lost in the weeds because it pops open a whole other bag of worms. But I've thought about I've thought about something similar. Like, you know, if if we had it our way and everybody did the right thing all the time, it seems like some pretty funny and cool people. Um, might like not have their personality shine forth as much, you know? And, and I think with like alcohol, this example, um, yeah, you can be yourself still without, without getting drunk. Oh Um, yeah. You know what I mean? And, but at the same time, it does just kind of enhance. It's part of, I'm thinking about like certain relatives of mine, uncles that are hilarious, but drink a little bit too much or, swear a little bit too much, but man, did they have me lolling? Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, I do. I do. Yeah, I do. Uh, that's a good question. Matt, you got any thoughts on that? You know what I'm saying? I do. I do. I think I know what you're saying. I, I, in my mind, it makes sense. I don't know if I could repeat it necessarily. Yeah. Um, now here, are you asking, um, how, how much are we allowed to enjoy bad things? No, not quite. That's maybe, I mean, that's not like too far off, but not, not okay, quite. Cause that's helpful. Cause yeah, I, at least I know now it's not that. Yeah. 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 Cause yeah, I find it oftentimes it's like, I watched a lot of stand up growing up uh-huh. and most of the best stand up was inappropriate. Mm-hmm. Sure. And, yeah. and it was kind of frustrating because it's like, man, 
I wish you guys could be funny and not be crass. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. But then at the same time, it's like, okay, what? What is? I don't. I don't know. Yeah. So I think I kind of get what you're saying, but maybe not exactly the question. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I have quite the question yet. It was just. It's interesting. You know, you don't want to be like it is. It's something like that, like a big parish festival. You know, obviously people are going to come there that like aren't practicing or far away from the church. And like, I think that's part of the beauty of Catholicism, or at least in like kind of that type of worldview, is that something like that, yeah, it it can be a really cool and like in ways we probably never know, like maybe baby step back that maybe if they're falling away or whatever and they come and have a good time at like the parish carnival every year maybe somehow that'll help them like come back or mm. like kind of welcome Jesus back into their life, you know? Um, it's just, it's just interesting, I guess, to think about of like, it was just this one quick little interaction of like with, with a guy and you know, you, everybody has, has these, etc. And, um, like, I mean, you don't, you, maybe this, maybe this was like a super spiritual dude, you know, like living, living a saintly life. So I don't want to project anything, anything on him at all. But it was just kind of that question of the reality is like, we have a lot of interactions with people who like, yeah, don't have like kind of a foundational relationship with Jesus in, in their life that, um, like those interactions really are important and and matter and sometimes like especially when people open up etc it's like man you know they'll tell you how sinful of a life they're living and it's not making them happy etc um and so just kind of that balance of like being able to like authentically enjoy the person in front of you who like oftentimes is pretty good at like pointing out the absurdities of life and like yeah. bringing together opposites in like a pretty funny, pretty funny and like even light way. But then there's also this recognition of like, dang, at the same time, like these same actions that are like, again, at least seemingly kind of like enhancing your like sociability here are probably not good for you in the long run. Like in the long run, they are not making you happy. Um, and so I don't know. I just don't know how to sort through that exactly. Hmm. So. Yeah. Well, I got a, I got a buttload that I could uh, <laughs> say as usual, but uh, I'll start. With... I feel like Schmeyman would actually speak on that. Yeah. Uh oh. Because maybe maybe part of the question is like, what is the truly human thing in that interaction? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, and. Do certain things add to the human element, and do other things detract from it? I yeah, I don't know. Hey, sorry, Connor. No, it's cool. So uh, this past week, I had a guy come out, Andrew Whaley, who I'm happy to give free advertising to. He does a he has this project called Calix, Calix dot org, um, like chalice in Latin, C A L I X, and the whole thing that he has found that God's kind of put on his heart to do is make cool hipster coffee shops 
whose purpose is to evangelize. Um, which when I heard about him through Nick Blaha, I was like, okay, that sounds exactly like what I'm trying to do at Newman, or at least part of it. Um, and his whole mindset, uh, he came and did like a little two and a half hour consult with me one-on-one at my place to just sort of look at the space and what could you do phase one, phase two, or, you know, the kind of light remodel or rearranging versus like the, what would you do if you had a million dollars and a million hours? And I think like the philosophy of it is, um, he, he's a kind of a community and liberation guy. So talk, talking very much about like the human goods as reflecting and, um, participating in the divine goods, like as the way, the way into your relationship with God or, or drawing somebody into a relationship with God has to be anchored in the goods of the world in some way. Um, and so the cup of coffee that you're giving and the great customer service and the, um, you know, the environment being beautiful and uh, legible to the culture, the surrounding culture, he uses the word ergonomic, it has to be ergonomic to the culture. So like people walk in and they're not walking into some church place that happens to also be a coffee shop. Like he uses the the joke, the Immaculate, you know, um, Cafe St. Therese or, or something. And there's a bunch of like Mary statues all around and um, vocations posters and, and things like that. It's people don't feel, <laughs> do well, those places exist by the way? <laughs> well, to be honest with you, I thought it like, if I had done it myself, I might've thought like, let's just like Catholic up this thing and just yeah, by, okay. os- by osmosis, people, yep, I'm will, tracking, I'm tracking, yep, you get gotcha. people to come for coffee. And then you just like throw a bunch of images at them and flyers and hope that they come to Bible study. But his thing is like you start you start by loving them just in the in the ways that we can kind of agree on, you know, like, hey, this is fair yeah. trade coffee and we compost our garbage and um we have sweet music and uh cool places to hang out and uh, he had some pretty radical ideas. He's like, I put up a Faraday cage in one of, in one of our places, on, and it was the only place on campus that cell phones didn't work, and kids like flocked there because they were looking for somewhere where they weren't going to be haunted by their addiction to their phone, so they could actually have a conversation. Um, wow. So what like, did you what did you call it? A Faraday cage? Yeah, Faraday cage. Faraday was a a scientist or whatever. It was an invention where if you put like a metal mesh in a cage then the things inside of it can't like electromagnetic fields can't get through it um it's science just basically yeah it's some science a little bit of math um nailed it anyways uh so then his goal which is kind of i mean it bends some of my categories for sure but uh he talked about this festival that he went to up somewhere and he's like describing what should be the goal of some like catholic art festival i think it was a parish putting on some diocese where it'd be like really good music good food beer wine whatever uh like a bonifest where 
uh, yeah, it was ergonomic to the culture. And then, and then you'd have adoration going on in the church, like, which would be a cool old church kind of appealing and interesting, um, but also not off-putting to his, his archetypal target demographic is this girl called Monica who he invented in his head, who is, has like blue hair, um, you know, is a Bernie Sanders volunteer who has an, uh, coat hanger tattoo on her shoulder that represents how abortion saved her life when she was 14. Um, like really far from anywhere where you'd feel like, uh, this person is just a centimeter away from becoming a intentional disciple like this. No, they have all the prejudices you could possibly have against the Catholic church. It were just, it's just filled with corrupt criminals and uh, hypocrites and, it's all about money or whatever, but they'll come in to get a cup of coffee and you're not leading with here's, um, here's the teaching on abortion or, or here's the teaching on the Eucharist. You're just providing them, um, a place and, uh, learning their name and loving them to the point where like it could be over six months or a year or multiple years where this person never would come to a church or, or interact with a Christian intentionally, except that this is a really cool place. And for some reason they can't quite put their finger on it. I feel more at home here than I do anywhere else on campus. And then they might ask you like, so is this like a church or what, what is the deal here? And, um, do you actually believe in this stuff or what, you know, like I hear them singing Vespers in the chapel over there. Is that what, like, what is that? People still do that. And then you, then you bear witness to the fact like, well, this is what you think about the Catholic church. Is that what you've experienced here? You know? Um, and loving them into, uh, a relationship with Christ. In other words, like having it kind of blossom out of, these things which are human and therefore really truly belong to us, you know, like everything in the world. And this is a shaman thing. Well, it's actually Thomas Aquinas, but all sensible creatures are, uh, signs of the sacred. Um, I was thinking about this last night with the, the whole idea of us being made in the divine image because I don't know, dude, See, this is what I'm saying. I could get into a million things, but the whole idea of secularism is really uh, bumming me out right now because I feel like so much, and maybe this is just living in the city. The city is very cool. There's a lot to do, but you just feel like it's so easy to go about your life in a modern city as if God doesn't exist, as if as if nothing depends on anything other than the stuff that's in this world. And Shmeyman's whole thing is like the self-sufficiency of the world is over. You cannot, the world is not sufficient into itself. It, it is pointing towards, it comes from and points towards elsewhere. But even, even its very existence is dependent, like metaphysically, ontologically on that elsewhere. And so everything you look at, I've, I mentioned this in a couple of homilies already in the last couple of weeks, but 
just seeing i saw this little girl with her hand on her dad's leg what uh, on a sidewalk on a busy street when i was stopped at a stoplight and it's been a, like a repetition for me going back to in prayer because it, it just felt like yeah a sign of something sacred and divine that this was me in relationship to god and i've been plumbing the meaning of it like i don't know what i'm doing like as a priest i'm five years in a priest now um i'm in this job i love it and every day is uh fruitful and blessed and everything but i am totally not self-sufficient i cannot know the way forward what i'm doing i mess up a lot i feel like not sure of anything but so long as i feel like i have my hand on his leg you know like okay god you're right here okay i'm just staying right here okay we're moving now i'm with you you know um but there was also like freedom in that image where he wasn't uh, holding this. And this little girl was probably two years old, so very small. But the father, I guess, felt the confidence that like, she, yeah, she's going to stay by my side. I don't need to like grab her hand and iron grip it in case she runs into traffic. Like she's with me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but years ago I would have said like, okay, that's a nice make-believe metaphor analogy. And we have that language in the Catholic tradition, the analogy of being. You know, like the things in the world reflect God in a way that like they're continuous or analogous to him. But Shmeyman, the Orthodox view is, I think it's just like, I guess the word would be symbolic that uh, they show you something invisible as invisible. You know, like I, you're actually seeing, you, you know, you mentioned this, this is something we can't talk about, but with the Cubs parade, do you remember this, Rob? <laughs> oh what are you doing I don't, <laughs> what I, are you I, doing <laughs> I'm, I'm i'm i think i'm repenting i was literally laying in bed trying to fall asleep oh. last night and thinking about something you said about the cubs parade in light of what, wow. I'm, what I'm trying to say continue i'm kidding yeah continue i remember talking i don't know what you're gonna say but i remember talking you about remember it, yes. there was a girl on the news yeah who yeah. said what, what what did she say do you remember this is the greatest uh night of my life yeah and you said something like um, could you start there and say like God wants to show you something even better or give you an even greater experience and you said what there was like another, well, another level to it like what if this was God loving you yeah that was Sywick so I preached on that in his class so it was like a like in our homiletics class and I used that story and in my homily I said like what if it, I can't remember how I worded it but it said like what if you what if you started there? Like, what if you said God wants to give you like even more than this? And that was a Cywick like insight. What he recommended was like, why not tell her that that is God loving her in that moment? Um, yeah. And it's just like a, a subtle, a subtle like deepening and switch, but that blew me away. Yeah. So one of my things, I think my bugaboo, like in hating secularism and it's malaise and like particularly it's manifestation and, the way I grew up in sort of posh suburbia where, oh gosh, you couldn't be more self-sufficient. Like you couldn't be less interested in uh, the other world because this world is making you busy and you have a lot to take care of, but it's also really comfortable and cool and you can buy things in it and uh, make yourself happy and stuff like that. So awakening to another world um, was big for me. So And, and it kind of, 
feels like a negation of this world or, or certain like this world is profane so i'm going to dive into the sacred and shaman's basically saying that's just secularism in reverse you are mm. you are buying into the false dichotomy between the world and god that you have to reject the world to embrace god yeah. but in fact the world is an image of god and particularly the human person and so the sacraments this is what really blew my mind um i'll walk into it this way uh so like an unconsecrated host you know the bread just like in the cabinet in the sacristy um i remember this at newman at, at u of i like we who like understood the eucharist and the sacrament and you know this is unconsecrated so it's profane still it's not jesus and like i mean we didn't handle it disrespectfully but you know we just was like yeah we know this isn't jesus because it hasn't been consecrated yet so you can eat it or you know you're not going to spread cream cheese on it but it's not that big a deal mm -hmm. and then once it's consecrated then you kneel and you you know um genuflect to it and it you worship it because it's christ um but in a way that whole way of thinking is kind of off because yes after the consecration it is jesus it has been transformed but um in a way like the sacrament doesn't change it or efface its former nature as food shaman's whole thing is like the whole purpose of bread is to bear communion you know like everything mm -hmm. that adam and eve ate in the garden before the fall was communion because it was a gift from god and the world was it's not pantheist it's not saying the world is god but it's symbolic of god and the christian worldview is a certain symbolic realism that you can know the unknowable through symbol but it's still unknowable it's still totally other but it's also right here and you're participating in it um the eucharist is a perfect example like you can see it but it's the reality is still invisible like it maintains the symbol maintains the invisibility of christ but makes it visible um and so like the cubs parade yeah i guess you're right um you d diving into the goods of the world does not have to it shouldn't it never should have drawn you away from god it mm. always should have been the way in do you see what i'm saying yes uh, yes so the sacraments fulfill the nature of the world as bearing divinity and what christ does he even takes old rituals that were in a certain way certain way sacramental like the passover and says this is what this was always for Mm. All, everything everything you did drinking coffee with your with your friends uh sitting around a campfire uh doing stand-up comedy and listening to somebody be funny all of this was meant to be communion with me and so the liturgy like he's saying just being a sacramental rigorist and saying like okay validity invalidity form and matter um sacred profane all that stuff is sort of going backwards to where christ took all this stuff quote-unquote religion and said no um it's all like this you don't get to cordon off where you talk to god uh, and this is what secularism why it bums me out is because 
yeah, you're praying, you're sitting in front of the Eucharist, you're doing mass, you know, um, you got your hand on God's leg, but then like 90% of your life is out in the world, just being self-sufficient, like driving my car car. I'm going to the store now and buying things with my money. And, um, no dude, it's all communion. It's that that's the kingdom of God is where Christ is all in all. And right here and now in time, in matter, you are encountering the divine. Dude, that just rocked my world, man. Of even like, I mean, because you can also flip it back like on yourself there or whoever as well, because that's such like a reciprocal reality that you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Is that like, yeah, I, man, that's talking about like that, that gal who said this was the greatest night of her life. Well, like, okay, this is the love that God is desiring to give you right now. Like, this is for you. Um, to live in that and see that. But also like maybe that interaction with that like guy who was pretty drunk at Bonifest, like I mean, maybe it just stuck out to me because like I just you know, I it, this sounds so cliche, but in the context of what we're talking about, but like I actually met Jesus in that moment mm-hmm. in him. Yes. And it was just like this little passing encounter, but like that was him. And your question is, but he's drunk. How can that be Jesus? Yes, that mm-hmm. is my, that is it. That is my question. Yeah, dude. That, uh, yeah, I get that. That was always my question with like, when you meet, you see Jesus in the poor and I think, yeah, but that guy's drunk, <laughs> you know, or this guy's <laughs> lying to me. Jesus doesn't lie. Um, that's the mystery of it. Um, and this is another thing with uh, Whaley and his whole coffee shop idea. It's like that you you have to earn the right to be heard, and in in that in a certain way, you have to be changed by the encounter. No no encounter with somebody um, like the truly Christian way of evangelizing is not to just proselytize and say like, okay, now I got you here because I I baited you in with some coffee. And now here's here's the gospel. Change your life. I'm right and you're wrong. Um, that's just not authentic. It's not human. Uh, a conversation is a two-way street where, t- where two people are submitting themselves to a third, the truth, you know. And um, no, no two people who really encounter each other come out the same exact person. You know what I mean? Um. Mm. we just had some that was deep and we just had some major 3dn healing as well so from the whole cubs thing <laughs> yeah, being incorporated whoa i am blown away right now god works in mysterious ways and that is the question i was trying to ask Mets, what do you think um I still think Babette's Feast is the best depiction oh. of all of this. Um, or at least it's the one that helps me to make to make sense of some like pretty big ideas. Uh, just a, a terminological distinction that keeps coming up in my head is the difference between sign and symbol. Hmm. Is that signs are things that point, they point to a reality that's other. 
but then a symbol is something that both points to another sign and also contains the reality in and of itself. And I think oftentimes we talk about the Christian life, we talk about the material world purely in a sign way. Where it's like, oh, look, all these things point to a deeper reality. And I think what Shmeyman hits on is all of the creatures, all of the visible signs, the tangible realities that we see, both point to a deeper reality. And like the Cubs lady, they actually contain the deeper reality as well. Maybe not in its fullness, but contain truly contain aspects of it. So it's like, hey, this is like God loving you. This is like what it is in heaven. But also, he is actually loving you in this. Mm-hmm. So like points to it and is made real in that moment. And I think oftentimes it's... Well, it's more like the the sign idea. It's like, okay, look, it's kind of like this. I'm going to use this purely analogously. It's like this. So, like, it, it kind of discredits the actual in- encounter itself, you know? Um, yeah, so there's a lot going on there. I'm glad that there was some healing done. Um, it's still a mind-boggling question of... How is how is that Jesus? Mm-hmm. Because it is. But like, how is Jesus? How? Yeah, he doesn't lie, and he doesn't get hammered. <laughs> and it also is a scary proposition, because like you said, with that image of the little girl walking by the father, is there is a possibility that she could actually get distracted by a really shiny quarter Mm -hmm. which is which is a good thing and she could run out in the street and get blown over by a truck um like in the same way the material is so good that you can get lost in it Mm -hmm. and and the the risky thing well the this proposal is risky because it actually values human freedom i think Mm -hmm. um because it's so much easier if you try to um, turn it into an algorithm where it's like, okay, we'll, we'll almost use our humanity to lure people in and then we're going to proclaim the gospel and then it's on them to make this decision. Like that's, you know, A plus B equals C, A plus B equals C. Um, but here it's like, look, we're going to live fully in our humanity and we believe like God's actually working there. So it's going to attract people. And then when they ask about it, like we're able to bear witness and invite them into the deeper reality that's being manifest through our humanity. But like there's a deeper reality that's actually motivating and nourishing and fueling this beautiful humanity that they've encountered. And you propose it to them and then they have to actually be honest to actually consider their own experience and then, and then they get to choose. Like you can't wrangle anybody into that. You can't trick them into it. Mm -hmm. It has to be totally free. And, and that's risky. That's certainly how God deals with us. Yeah, it is. If we actually took people's freedom seriously, uh, I do think things would be quite different. Mm -hmm. Like Mm -hmm. I realized so many, especially around the sacraments, Um, like there are, there are certain things that you have to do in order to be disposed and prepared to receive the sacraments. 
but like a lot of stuff, especially around confirmation is what's the best way that we can use the sacraments as a form of prison as like a hostage scenario. Here's the little carrot we have. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but you know what? Like freedom is so, (laughs) it is risky, man. It's risky business. Um, so yeah, I don't know. There's a lot. There's a lot going on there. Shmayman is the man. Yeah, and setting setting up that coffee shop is risky. Um, yeah, for a lot of reasons. But hmm. yeah, I see, think- and, and and the risky thing is still it's like we we had this a bit when we went down to St. Lucia. Is our first day down there um, when we were teaching the students and playing these sports camps with them. Man, this is actually this is actually fits kind of perfectly. But the first day we went down, we were teaching them how to play soccer, how to play volleyball, and we just thought they were gonna they were just gonna bow down and basically worship us. Like, thank you for traveling all this way to come and hang out with us and to to spread your collegiate athlete skills and knowledge and love with us. And um, it was. It did not go that way. They were like pretty unimpressed with us. They speak two languages um, in the schools that we were working. They speak English as their primary language and French Creole as their secondary language. Mm. You know, we all come in thinking we're just hot shots. And they were like laughing at our faces. These are these are like high schoolers down in in St. Lucia. They were they were like they were making fun of us in to our faces in another language. Uh <laughs> And we were like, wait, what? <laughs> we Mission, thought Mission trips are usually not like this. Yeah. We thought y'all were going to totally love us and be like so excited. Don't you know that we're college athletes and like we're cool. What are you what's happening? <laughs> and like a lot of it came in we were we were sitting down and like trying to like formally teach them and about the faith and like ask them these deep questions about their families and you know that they, they have a, like a pretty bad broken family epidemic with absent fathers um, in many islands in the Caribbean and it's pretty traumatic. And so we sit down and we're just like face to face with these teenagers, never met them before, and we're trying to like get into some deep conversation with them and they're looking at us like we have eight heads like none of your business you can scram you weirdos like I don't know who you are and you you're expecting me to just talk about all this business. I think that was kind of the deeper thing that was going on, but it manifested in they were literally like pointing and laughing at us and making fun of us. So we come back the next day and like they were, you know, we were pretty discouraged. And, and so the big theme for that night, as we processed the day and prepared to go back to the same schools was okay. Like, we are going to love them regardless. Um, and that doesn't necessarily mean like preaching or teaching all the time, but we're going to love them like in and through these soccer games, in and through these volleyball games. And like we're going to totally like give ourselves to them um, through this mutual language of sport. And so the next day we came back and just like uh, went into their music classes, like played recorder with them, played hot cross buns with them. And (laughs) like all of this, all of this kind of like silly, quote unquote, silly human stuff. Like we played so much soccer. We played so much volleyball. 
like climbing mango trees, trying to rip down these fresh mangoes that are in like the backyard of the schoolyard. And you take other mangoes that have fallen and you, you toss them at these ripe mangoes in the tree and you hit them and they drop and all the kids would swarm after these ripe mangoes and like didn't, didn't intentionally like proclaim or yeah, proselytize or anything like that about the faith, faith like much at all the second day. But we fell in love with those kids and the kids totally opened up and like had an awesome time with us. In the next couple of days, there was like this Mondo bridge of trust there where there was a natural communion that occurred between us and the students. Um, but it took just being like really human with them. It took enjoying the things that they enjoyed, which we enjoy as well, but just actually enjoying them for their own sake instead of like trying to use them. Hey, look, I can kick a soccer ball. Come over here. Now let me tell you about Jesus kind of a thing. Like we actually had to love them exactly where they were and in and through sport in and through like their difficult family situations. And then by the end, it was um, an incredible like tangible share in love where it was tough to leave them and they were, you know, we had formed all these deep relationships. But yeah, it kind of felt similar. It's like, I don't know what the word that you're using ergonomic I, don't, I guess i don't really know what that means but it just means like e- we couldn't means easy like you're not you don't have to <clears throat> the threshold is low you don't have to feel like and this this is a problem at newman it's like people will come in and it's relaxing and cool and fun and they can play ping pong but they feel like um i'm not part of the club am i allowed in here kind of thing ergonomic right. would be yeah this is this is what we do and you're here and I'm here and now I don't have to think about this. I don't have to change to be uh, in relationship with you. Like we can start at zero. Um, yeah. Yeah. We can throw mangoes at the tree. We both know how to do right. that. Right. Right. 100%. And we can just play soccer. We can just right. kick it around. Um, yeah. We can just play volleyball and things like that. So yeah. And then, and what it resulted in was like, I think, a type of authentic love where we were very sad to leave them. They're great, great kids down there. And they were like begging that we return. And, um, it was great. And, you know, I showed up every day in a collar with a soccer Jersey on over my collar. And, um, was, we were just doing our thing towards the end and like finally naturally, um, I think we're, we're able to really truly authentically share the gospel in loving them through these real human, tangible, visible signs, um, yeah, that we both both deeply connected on, but it took a little bit of a learning process there. Yeah, you yeah. used the phrase um, "natural communion," like you had a natural communion with them. I, I assume you mean like on the natural level, you weren't you weren't at mass with each other, right? Um, but you felt communion with them uh right and that is very much another shaman idea that's kind of mind-blowing is that the world has a natural sacramentality yeah as it is um and again this is like he would say the whole divide between natural slash supernatural sacred slash profane that's all a result of the fall like everything was always meant to be 
in its nature sacramental in your sense of symbolic where it not only points to another world but it is communion with that unknowable otherness that is god so every bite of food you have every conversation you have every time you go to sleep or exercise your body or feel anything or do anything that's communion with god and with the world that is it's his sacrament um so yeah the the idea that like you have to move from nature to supernature is even seems like according to him seems like a mistaken move that actually the the more human you become and this it makes sense that we are the symbol of god in this in this sense we are the the divine image that the more human you become that's divinization yeah that's it's making me think of just because it, it also like this living into this reality also changes then like your communion with Jesus and the way you pray as well, or at least I think it should, or or uh, for me I think it should. Um, and I don't know why this is going to maybe seem random, but when you guys were talking there, I was just thinking of, and he's talked about this on his podcast, etc. So it's it's not like it was just you know, um. We, in like conversation necessarily, but like when Baron describes his holy hour, have you guys ever heard him talk about um, his holy hour before? I don't think so. It always just sounds fun. Hmm. I don't know how, how to describe it. Uh, I remember, I think it was a rector's address one time when he was at Mundelein and he was talking about like when he went to visit Cardinal Dolan, who I've never met, but seems like just, I like him a lot. Um, but he just talked about how like they get up early and pray a holy hour and like going into the chapel and Baron, Bishop Barron would always try to do like impressions of Cardinal Dolan, which were hilarious and just sounded like Bishop Barron most of the time, et cetera. But, uh, <laughs> uh, but he said he'd get up like when he walked into the Cardinal Dolan's chapel and like Cardinal Dolan would be like, get up and make him coffee and everything like that. And I was just always, I just, I still remember that of thinking it's like, man, that just sounds like, enjoyable you know and yeah. even um him talking about his holy hour on i think it was on his podcast maybe a year or two ago and like he does a lot of the jesus prayer you know just mm-hmm. over and over again then he yeah. does his office and like that's just a dude who's spending his morning with jesus you know it's not like accomplishing yeah. anything in that holy hour um now, does that make any sense of like yeah, tying but, that in but it it also isn't like an overly familiar like oh what's up dude jesus good to see no, you no you know, no no like yeah. you can just yeah. sit there with your arm over the chair and slouching it's like you're still in the presence of awe and mystery and the divine but yeah all of the humanity of it is mixed in there and it's not a your holy hour is not the one hour a day that you fly from the world and yes. embrace god it's it's right in there with all the rest of it. And it's meant to transform your vision so that you see the rest of your day differently. You know, uh, mm-hmm. it's the radically, it's an encounter with the radically other in the totally familiar. Um, so both things maintain their integrity, the world and God. Um, yeah. Anyway. So hey, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna play devil's advocate, and I know you got to go, Rob. Yeah, I got two minutes here. Yeah. Um, but it's like, yeah, and I can still feel it within myself. Is that question of like, okay, well, 
when do you propose the gospel then? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have the same question. When, yep. when do you propose the gospel? And are there certain things that like we are appropriately afraid of? Yeah, both. both those are two separate questions, but they're both really good. Or my I question, my question yeah. is, if you do that coffee shop vision where it's all pointing outward and it's all encountering people in the culture and being changed by them, how do you maintain a core identity as Catholic? You know, how do you, Mm -hmm. how do you say, like, I still want this place to be different, you know, and the way we talk and think and act is different. Yeah. Cause like thinking about Paul showing up, I mean, like, (laughs) yeah, right. They're the, yeah. I don't know. There's just a, there's a lot of questions around it, but Mm -hmm. no, that's, it's, it, I think that's in, uh, I think I could be citing this incorrectly, but isn't it um, Evangelii Nutiandi? Is that Paul the Sixth on mm-hmm. the New Evangelization? Um, and so I think he talks about that exact thing: is that they're in like true, like authentic evangelization. There does have to come a time where a like a proclamation does come. Mm-hmm. Then, and so. Yeah, but when that is of like knowing that the art of that of um, like an actual, you know, no uncertain terms proclamation, man, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it's it's a very maybe we should table that for next time. Yeah, fortunately, we'll probably podcast again. Well, uh, reminds me of the uh, edited version of that apocryphal St. Francis quote. Uh, preach always preach the gospel when necessary use words but when necessary use words because <laughs> it's often abused to say like oh just just live the christian life and yeah. you don't ever have to talk about christ you don't have to proclaim christ you can just be him but mm-hmm. you also have to proclaim him yeah you have to use words sometimes mm-hmm. when necessary all right dudes use. good talk good talk Lots of healing has occurred today. Mm-hmm. Bisk, you said I was right, mm-hmm. dude. You were. That goes back years. <laughs> wow. Shmamen. I was laying in bed thinking about <laughs> thinking about the John Paxson three in 1994, I think, when oh, he, he hits the three pointer against yes. the Phoenix Suns. I was and watching I was, it with my mom because yeah. I've been keeping track a little bit of the NBA Finals, and I'm just like, yeah, I was what eight years old, nine years old. That was a sacrament, dude. It was, was totally unrelated to to what I had been reading, or I, I was just like laying in bed thinking about things. And then I thought yeah. of the Cubs parade. Why was that so disappointing to me? When I was nine, it was just like the whole thing yeah. where I was sitting, and my family all there. That it was like it's this is the Bulls. This is me winning and hitting a three pointer to win the game. Yep, like all of that was true to me then. But anyways. Yeah, that was for you. Go back to that little nine-year-old Connor and Watch tell him Paxson. that was that was God loving him. Yeah. Jordan dishing it off because he knew he was going to draw the double man. team. Yep, that's the truth. That's the truth. All right, see you, fellas. I gotta All right, go guys, play. take it easy. Peace. Peace. Three Dogs North are Juice, Seabisk, and Michael Metz. Conversations have been edited to sound smarter. Audio and transcripts of this episode are exclusive property of Mundelein Seminary and may not be rebroadcast 
without the express written consent of Major League Baseball. Good girl.